Hello, this is your host, Alfred, for the Early Line Show. This will be looking ahead to week six. Um, but first, what we like to do is go back, hey, what did we do in week five? You know, this is a show that we are trying to look at these lines when they first come out and see if we can initial feeling, hey, this is off, is going to move one way or the other and catch some value in that way if we lay these numbers early on in the week. So, of course, these came out a few hours ago, and uh, they've changed a little bit already, but still, there's movement to be made, uh, and, you know, half point here, two points there can make a big difference. So, going back to last week, after a few weeks of really nailing it, to be honest, you know, hitting five out of six, uh, going the right way, I caught some the wrong way this past week. And the, the big headliners are, and I took these numbers right when they hit the board, and it looked pretty foolish, although ended up winning either way, was Kentucky at Ole Miss. I jumped on it right away at four and a half, Kentucky plus four and a half. That ballooned all the way up to seven. I think it I think it's ended at seven. Uh, UK lost by three points, had a chance to win it late. So certainly um, could have won outright. And the movement all the way up to seven you know, I was already locked in. I didn't hedge or anything. I, I felt like four and a half was plenty and, you know, they covered. And so even though I was on the wrong side of the line, the bet was still working. My thought that four and a half didn't make a lot of sense right off the right on the initial number was correct. Then we had another one, Wake Forest plus three. I jumped on it right away. I mean, the look ahead was Wake Forest being favored, I believe. And then they lose to Clemson. Florida State looks good. And all of a sudden, the initial re, uh, the initial release was Wake Forest plus three. I jumped on it right away, thinking that was going to come down closer to a pick em. And um, it ballooned all the way up to seven, seven and a half. Then it came down later in the week to six and a half. I think that's where kickoff was six and a half. Wake Forest won outright and dominated that game. They're up like 28 to seven. I mean, that I thought Wake Forest was a better team. And getting points felt good right away. And uh, the public or whoever kept putting money on FSU. So despite the lines moving the wrong way, ironically, won those two bets even on a short number uh, than I could have gotten and been even more comfortable. But, you know, that's the way these things work sometimes. It's, it's really interesting the way, you know, one perception, my perception of these games was one way. Uh, either the public or Sharps, whoever put a lot of money on one side, they had to change the line. And they kept increasing it. They kept increasing it. And turns out everybody was wrong. Everyone that could put money on, on FSU or Ole Miss causing that number to rise was obviously very wrong. And so we had some other ones. Texas Tech at Kansas State uh, was seven. I thought it would go down. It actually went up to seven and a half and they lost that game by more than seven anyway. And then we had... Uh, Miami was a pick em at Buffalo. And I felt pretty good about that. I still think Miami's a pretty good team, but Buffalo came to play at, at home in their own backyard. They won the game outright, and that actually wound up being Miami plus two and a half, which wouldn't have mattered, but money obviously was coming in on Buffalo. So I had that one read wrong. A few others were uh, Indiana plus three and a half at Nebraska. Again, I was fading Nebraska until they proved otherwise, no matter the opponent really. And um, they ended up uh, getting pushed up to seven to five and a half. And I think they won that game by at least a touchdown, maybe two actually. So uh, they thoroughly handled Indiana. Uh, Nebraska did and earned a little respect back from me. They've you know, they at least stopped the bleeding from just weeks and weeks of getting trounced and looking like they had no pulse at all. Um, 
Cal plus four and a half at Wazoo was my initial read. That was too high. It went down to four. So I caught the hook there by jumping on it early. But in the end, Cal didn't cover. And that was a tough one. You know, that was one where uh, there were people that seemed to be on Washington State. And the numbers actually ended up backing up Washington State for the most part. And that line was too short. When you looked at the game, you know, Cal was kind of playing catch up from the get go. The Cal offense could not really get going. They they brought it to 14-9 at one point. And then instead of kicking the extra point, they went for two to get it to 14-11. They did not make it. So it was 14-9. And from there, Washington State ra- wrapped off at least two unanswered touchdowns. So it was like 28-9. That may have been where it finished. But, um, you know, that game got out of hand. They, it, they had closed it kind of, but they were not really covering for most of the game. Like, it just, I was wrong on Cal. Washington State might actually be pretty good. Uh, and we'll look at that for this week's lines actually as well. All right. So moving forward to week six, early lines, that's what we're all here for. And my initial feeling here is that UNLV at catching points at UNLV catching points at San Jose state, they're now looking at plus four and a half. And I think that's too much. Uh, for this team, I think that they um, can certainly keep it within about a field goal. This is a case of two teams that are pretty opposite in terms of some EPA per play numbers looking at it right away. UNLV has a good offense uh, efficiency-wise. Um, you know, They can run the ball pretty effectively. They've got a quarterback who can run it as well. Versus a pretty good defense on San Jose State side and vice versa. San Jose State, pretty inefficient offense and a good uh, and, a, and a not a great defense. So, you know, if that's the case, you're talking about the team that is the dog has a better, more efficient offense and a, um, going against a team that's all defense. Well, is that bad offense on the other side going to, you know, I think that's the kind of setup where I'll take the points, especially four and a half. You know, that's the difference between a touchdown and a field goal is four. And so you're talking that even if that's, that's that, you know, when you watch games that, you know, a lot of the margins will be within like three to four um, or the, you know, 11 point margin where a touchdown gets you to three things of that nature. So threes and fours are really important here. And so catching the four and a hook, I really kind of like given the type of game, this is going to be given the, the way that uh, these teams are going to play the game. So I like that. UNLV catching four and a half. Um, it's already come up from, I think, the very, 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 very early line right away was two and a half. So we've seen that come up uh, and it's resting at four and a half now. I'm personally happy to take that. So we'll see if it, if it you know, now it's going to overcorrect and come back down. It feels like that won't keep rising. So I think take it now before, you know, there's some uh, some balancing act by the books. Um, then I also like Kansas catching five. What are we doing here, guys? You know, Kansas, what are they, what are they going to have to do? What are they going to have to do? Um, they're at home again. This is going to be like three games in a row. They've been, um, home against Duke where they were favored now, then home last week, um, against Iowa state as dogs they covered in a really interesting low scoring 14 11 i think was the final i mean very very low scoring their defense showed some real stiffness there against 
um, an Iowa State offense that I thought was actually going to expose the defense. And their defense at home played excellent. Their defense against Duke, actually, I thought played pretty well. So maybe that early defensive struggles, maybe they've righted the ship a little bit. Maybe they play well at home. I'm not sure. But they're home again against Texas Christian, who coming off a, a really nice, explosive, impressive win against Oklahoma. Uh, and, you know, probably getting some benefit from that win. That was certainly a very impressive win. But now they're after that huge, I think they're primed for a letdown spot. Of course, a lot would argue Kansas has got to be in for a letdown spot. So even if you're saying both these teams, uh, otherwise you're, you'd be a little bit worried about a letdown. Give me five points. I do think this will probably get closer to like four. Um, but... Yeah, take it now at five. I can't imagine it goes the other way unless we get injury information. Um, the numbers are, are not going to really be, you know, TCU has a bad offense. Kansas, or sorry, TCU has a fairly bad defense. Kansas, uh, by the numbers, I think has a fairly bad defense, although it's improved after the last few games, uh, in my opinion. And then you've got great offenses on either side. So it's the same story. Um, give me the points at home uh, there. And then you've got... Oklahoma and Texas. This will come down to, you know, there's going to be news whether Quinn Ewers can play. But right now, Oklahoma plus five and a half. Although I suppose the quarterback question on the other side, you know, now it just dawned on me. Dylan Gabriel, uh, I guess, is not going to play. So maybe scratch that. Honestly, who knows where this is going to go depending on quarterback injury information. So this is probably an information game where, uh, you know, you can either... If, Feel confident you're getting some kind of info that Dylan Gabriel will play. I would be all over Oklahoma, but if their backups playing, then I think all you know all bets are off. Pardon the pun. <clears throat> I really like Purdue catching three and a half at Maryland. This game all of a sudden becomes a huge game um, in the Big Ten with Wisconsin going down and frankly looking really bad. Uh, the, the Big Ten is up for grabbed on that side. Uh, Wisconsin now 0-2 in conference. Everybody else is 1-1. Purdue dropped an early conference game to Penn State. They were a long shot for me to actually win the Big Ten. Now, obviously, you're really hedging. You're, you're betting the long odds that they win their division and then you know have a hedge opportunity against Ohio State or whoever is going to be on the other side of that game at the Big Ten Championship. But Northwestern's bad. Nebraska's bad. Iowa's bad. Uh, Minnesota looking good, but Purdue just beat Minnesota. Now they've got a tiebreaker over Minnesota. Illinois, I still don't know what to make of them. And Wisconsin looks maybe bad. You know, I don't know. So I would say right now, this is a huge game for Purdue going at Maryland, who's looked good. Uh, they're four and one, but this is a big, big game. I mean, absolutely huge game for Purdue. Uh, I think that them getting three and a half, they've got a quality defense. We know that they can, um, throw the ball been kind of efficient running the ball this year which is something that has not been the case for many years at purdue they've been a little bit okay on the ground so a little more balanced approach from purdue this year and their defense has been pretty good especially stopping the run and uh you know i think that's gonna be an interesting game give me three and a hook there i i don't know i feel like that'll come down you might lose the hook if you don't do it now and we've got um Middle Tennessee catching nine and a half at UAB. I don't, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I know Middle Tennessee State was exposed. Uh, everyone saw that coming. I didn't see anyone who was on Middle Tennessee State versus UTSA. 
Um, everyone was betting UTSA, laying the points. Uh, Middle Tennessee coming off the big, big, big program defining basically Miami win, coming back home and facing a very good UTSA team. And, you know, they fell flat on their face. Um, they got run out, they didn't cover all the things. But now going on the road again to a pretty disappointing UAB team, to be honest with you. You know, they've lost a few, they just lost to Rice. Um, Middle Tennessee State's defense is pretty darn good, and UAB's offense is pretty bad. Their defense is good again, so it's it's two. Uh, defenses are both good. UAB's offense is pretty crappy, and Middle Tennessee can stretch the field with their passing game. So, you know, nine and a half. That's got to come down. I think that's got to come down. So I like uh, I like that number. I would take it now. I don't see how you can justify UAB by nearly ten points there. Um, as the week goes on, um, <clears throat> let's see. And Duke again, not getting any respect, just covered three at home, uh, going away. I had them. They were opened last week at minus one against Virginia. I loved that. Uh, actually, I, you know what? Going backwards. I don't think I talked about the ones I got right last week, but Duke was one of them. They opened minus one. I was all over it. They went to minus three. They covered going away against Virginia and now they get Georgia tech who's a dumpster fire. Look, Georgia Tech had a great win. They went on the road to Pittsburgh and won. Sometimes in these situations, you've got a total dumpster fire. They fire their coach. They go on the road. They get out of that, you know, lack of better, toxic environment at home, and they go perform. But now they're coming back to Georgia Tech. Now there's going to be a little bit of expectation here. Hey, you just beat a ranked Pittsburgh team. I believe they were ranked. Um, and Duke's good. I think Duke's good. I think Duke's got a good quarterback, a legitimately good quarterback in Riley. Um uh riley i don't remember whatever i like him even though i can't remember his name uh riley leonard there it is um minus three i'll over that to cover a field goal a hundred percent and i think that's going to expand I, I think just like last week the initial line was short we're gonna see this thing up over four into five and more i think by the end of the week i don't see how georgia tech's still bad and they still have bad players they're bad team they had a rally the troops situation in pittsburgh and you know they won kudos to them we've got uh let's see Tulane ecu is definitely going to be like a in an information game right now the way that line is i think it's two and a half um to the home uh home team which i believe is uh i think it's at tulsa it's at Tulane, and it's three right now Tulane laying three um I think I'd take East Carolina even right now because there's big injury information here, right? So uh, East Carolina, one of their star running backs, who's one of the fastest players in the country, Keaton Mitchell, didn't play last week, even though he dressed. So he's probably close. In Tulane, Michael Pratt did not play last week. They still beat Houston, but Houston's a dumpster fire circling the drain. Uh, a lot of off-the-field stuff with their coach and their team and the way they're playing. Houston's gross right now. Um, I would definitely take East Carolina in three. The injury situation is much more dire on Tulane where it's their star quarterback, Michael Pratt. And I know they won the game at Houston, but coming back, if, the, if uh, East Carolina knows they don't have to prepare for Pratt, I think uh, that is definitely a good spot for East Carolina. So I definitely take three there. And as information comes out, whether Pratt's playing or not, and Keaton Mitchell, his availability or not, where it's college, we don't, we're not going to know probably, but I would feel real good about East Carolina right there. Because again, worst case scenario, ECU still has their quarterback intact. Worst case scenario, Tulane's going out there with their third string QB again. 
uh, I don't, I, if I'm banking on not knowing the information there and I'm wrong, I'd rather be wrong, at least knowing the quarterback of the team I'm betting on. So that is going to be ECU. And I, I feel pretty good about that even right now. Yeah. We've got um, Western Kentucky plus five and a half at UTSA. And this is very much going to be a perception game. I would maybe anticipate that this number will go higher for Western Kentucky. So they're sitting at plus five and a half right now. This could get to seven. So I honestly, I might wait on this because UTSA coming off this huge, impressive, like Frank Harris threw for like 400 something yards against Middle Tennessee. They torched him. It was a Friday night game. Everybody is also feeling good that they know UTSA because most people bet on UTSA and they won. They covered going away against the team that had just beat Miami. And so I think UTSA is getting a lot of credit and they're going to continue to get credit. I think money's going to continue to come in on UTSA, but Western Kentucky just lost to Troy who Chris Moxley says Troy's pretty good. I think I've got to agree with Chris Moxley right now. And they lost a close one to Troy. Unfortunately, I had Western Kentucky uh, laying five, did not win that bet, of course. But now they're going to go to UTSA, chip on their shoulder uh, in a huge conference game. I mean, if nothing else, I think Western Kentucky might have been peeking ahead towards this at UTSA matchup this week when they lost to Troy. We see that all the time, these look-ahead games. Western Kentucky, I think, is going to come in. And up to now, their EPA, they're they're a more complete team than UTSA. UTSA's offense is bad, or their defense, I'm sorry, is bad. Their defense is bad. EPA per play. Um, they do not play very good defense, especially they can't, they can't, their passing defense, EPA per play is 126 in the nation. They can't stop the pass. How are they going to match up to Austin Reed and that ridiculously explosive air raid from Western Kentucky? I think catching five and a half, if this goes higher, I would wait until seven. If we start getting to six, I think at this point, you might as well wait to get to seven. Otherwise, I mean, if you see it dropping, take it right away. As long as you're over four, I think you're okay. Um, and honestly, UTSA is a good team. Don't get me wrong. Their offense is incredible, explosive, but their defense is bad. You've got two pretty good offenses here. The big mismatch, especially Kentucky's defense has been playing pretty good against a weak schedule, but nonetheless playing well. Uh, probably going to get exposed i mean UTSA is going to expose almost anybody but i i give me the points here and i and i see that going that way um and then finally here washington state catching 11 at usc i'm i'm on the washington state train now and i think that usc is vulnerable we've been saying it all year their defense is not very good um and I think catching over 10 here is pretty nice. Even though it's in the Coliseum, I think Washington State's going to be able to move the ball through the air quite a bit here. Uh, and so will USC. I mean, this game is going to probably be high scoring, but give me a full, I mean, backdoor cover at plus 11. I still like a backdoor cover there. That that feels pretty good. And then finally, we're going to say Kentucky. So this line is sitting at 10 and a half. Kentucky minus 10 and a half. Um, I don't think you need to jump all over it because even if it gets to 11 or 12, it's you know, kind of the same 11 is better than 12, but then from 12 to 13, um, you know, you get some interesting key numbers there with, uh, 11 and 13 are both a little bit more important than the 12, but, um, I would take this. I think Kentucky might blow them the hell out. South Carolina is real bad. 
They've looked bad against inferior competition. I don't think they've really played up to anybody. Like they're just, I think they're bad. Their talent's bad. Their coaching's bad. Their scheme is bad. Their offense is so bad. And I I love Kentucky to just steamroll. And you might say Kentucky's in a letdown spot. And I would not really argue too much there because they, uh, you know, they just lost a bit of a heartbreaker at Ole Miss. But hey, Ole Miss is in the West. I think Kentucky is going to, you know, tighten up their belt, tie their shoes, and uh, hike up those bootstraps and say, hey, let's go to work. We still have our all of our goals on the East. I mean, think about the motivation here. All of your goals on the East side of the conference still intact. They still control their own destiny. They get to play Georgia, you know, their goals was to win the SEC East and make it to Atlanta. You know that was their goal. It's still intact despite the loss to the West opponent in Ole Miss. I think they get back and they trounce a bad, 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 bad South Carolina team. So 10 and a half, I'm laying it. Uh, no worries for me at this point. All right, that'll do it for early lines. Thank you so much. And I hope we, we uh, you know, we're on the right side here. We'll do it next week.